0: All right. Welcome to the Nose to Nose podcast, a show encompassing movies, television, and life with behind-the-scenes discussions and opinions shared by Michael Kutza, the founder of the International Film Festival in Chicago, and Gino Suarez, a writer and a performer. So, Michael,
1: hello. Hey. So let's talk about Nose to Nose. You're going to say, what are they calling a Nose to Nose? So you've always heard about Eye to Eye. So here we have Nose to Nose because... It's catchy. And it's it's, a, it's a play on words. Play on words. We both have big noses, <laughs> and noses are synonymous with great intelligence.
0: I don't concur with this statement he says, but <laughs> we're running with it. I, I
1: looked it up. <laughs> and since you have a bigger nose, obviously you're more intelligent than me. But that's beside the point.
0: Beautiful. Thanks, family jeans. I really appreciate well, them. Okay.
1: My Polish Italian nose. I don't know where your nose came from.
0: Uh, Mexican and Puerto Rican. Okay. Which. Uh, I don't even know if they're synonymous with big noses, but just thanks, Grandpa, and whoever gave me that in the lineage line. So, you know, we both went
1: to see Judy the other day, the film. We did. And since I had the pleasure of meeting Judy Garland in the old days, and you've never heard of Judy Garland. I have heard of Judy Garland. (laughs) And I wanted you to see it because this performance is remarkable, but it interested you more because you have a fascination with uh, Louis B. Mayer. I do. Who's in the film. And,
0: and all. Crappily portrayed. Thank you very much.
1: Right. Oh, To me, the film, is not, it's a typical biopic. It's not really great, but she is outstanding, this uh, Renee Zellweger, who hasn't been performing for many years. It's, she a,
0: it's like a, a big st- comeback. Was she a stage actor? Like a British stage actor? She's American. Is she really? I think from Ken- Kentucky, I believe. Oh, okay. I thought she was British.
1: No. And... Um, you hadn't seen Chicago. She's quite good in Chicago and many other films. She's quite popular, and then she had a she got an Oscar, I think, for something called um, Iron Mountain. I, I never saw it. She worked a lot with the Harvey Weinstein situation, in Miramax. She was created by them in a way.
0: Okay. Um, did her she, career falter after the?
1: She doesn't discuss it. She, um, what, she, just, why was she I don't think she had any problems with it.
0: Did anybody's career get affected by the ending of the Harvey Weinstein? era, quote-unquote, like a person... Like, say, for example, an actor that was always getting casted by Harvey Weinstein, and they've just been ostracized because of the situation? Well, because... Or did it's, it's about to
1: hit the courts really soon. That's something you really can't talk about. I can't, and you can't either, because it's about we to do Because we don't know anything about right, it. Right, we really don't. We don't. Behind the scenes. But Louis B. Mayer... Is sort of famous for the idea that uh, the casting couch... Of course, Louis B. Mayer didn't invent the casting couch. It was way back to yeah, D.W. Griffith and Charlie Chaplin and all this. Yeah. Everybody sort of had this motif. If you put out, I'll put out kind of thing. And Louis B. Mayer, from what I understand, actually, he delivered. He didn't deliver? He delivered. Well, I guess Weinstein, let's say, didn't always deliver. He promised. And if, if you didn't deliver... He theoretically hurt your career. I mean, we don't know this. We're just, this is all supposition of what people are saying about it. And that. Beside the point. So, this Renee Zellweger portraying Garland is remarkable. Now you saw it. You saw it. In, I
0: was watching it with you in theaters? Yeah,
1: what'd you think of her? And, and this, so, this troubled woman that was singing.
0: Having an understanding of uh, Louis B. Mayer and the executives at the time and all of the shenanigans and things that they were into in terms of how they treated their actors and their stars kind of gave me a different perspective on the movie. But, for Mm -hmm. example...
1: But you know she's a child
0: star. Well, yeah, I knew that she was a child star from The Wizard of Oz and from the Andy... Was it Andy Griffith? Andy. Andy Hardy, right? Andy Hardy. The Andy Hardy series with... Andy Rooney. With... with, Is it Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney, yeah. Okay. (laughs) And from the reading of the biopic that I'm doing, the autobiography of Louis Mayer, Mm -hmm. it's interesting how they portrayed her later in her life as a really big uh, drug addict like a drug addict but i wish they would have portrayed more of her beginning life of her mom and the executives and the people actually forcing her to do these things because they kind of lightly played on it and it was a very short amount of time spent in the movie but i Mm -hmm. wish they would have spent more time showing that she was actually a tortured soul versus kind of a drug addict which I felt like a lot of the movie spent a lot of time discussing her as a drug addict, but they didn't really give...
1: Well, she's a person dependent on...
0: Right, uh, and they didn't really give her her due credit in terms of the people that made her the way she was, the why, the why she was the way that she was, and things of that nature. They kind of just...
1: Well, I think, first of all, we're dealing with probably the last six months of her life. Right. So that's a, all the things you want are way before all of that. So they just sort of give you a quick update of where she stands today and how carefully she still takes the pills to perform and to do what she has to do. The part I like about, about her and the portrayal and a couple of good lines in the film when she was having a breakdown for a moment with her ex-husband, one of, one of her ex-husbands, and, and she's emoting, saying, you know, you know, I'm only Judy for one hour of the day. Otherwise, I'm a real person. Why can't anybody let me be a real person? And that's what it's all about, really, the sadness of performers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and But she had it down pat, so if she had a nervous breakdown on stage, it came to, at least when I saw her in Chicago years ago, it was part of the act. She had perfected it so well that she could, forget a line, fall down a little bit or sit on the end, edge of a stage and make you feel with her. And she p- built this pity thing as part of her trademark. And you...
0: A level of vulnerability.
1: And you loved her for it.
0: Is that why you think the the gay community relates to herself I, I don't even think they relate to her they really do idolize her in a sense why do you think they hold her on such a high pedestal do you think that do you think that they go through periods of doing that to just different stars that they think they can relate to or do you think judy was really this the the highlight of that uh, I think the word drama queen comes from this. <laughs> That's what
1: you're going for here.
0: Because in the uh, movie, they talked about it a little bit when they had the scene with the two guys that... The worshiper. Yeah, that worship her. Yeah, and then they sh- they're having a breakdown and things like that. Yeah, That's interesting for me to think about because I've heard previously a lot of people talk about how Judy Garland is like their idol and how she's such a strong figure. And for me, I don't understand why the connection or why such the attachment. Just that in terms of, I guess we could even break it down deeper into why people are so affected or connected to celebrities, even though they've never met them. Like, I think about that a lot. Like, why do people feel...
1: If you're emotionally insecure and suddenly there's this woman on stage, or performer, that you can relate to and she's trying to pull herself up and you want to pull yourself up, I guess you're going to fall in love with her and she becomes your... Your muse? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. But interesting, um, a, a British critic, a friend of mine, saw Judy at the, either the Palladium or the Talk of the Town in those days in London. I was talking to him recently, and I said, remember Judy? So oh, yeah, I won't forget this one night. I went to see the concert, and I went back after to say, I really enjoyed it, and I want to go again tomorrow night. And she said, please don't come back here, and do not come back tomorrow night. And he said, well, why? She says, because you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to be very upset when I cry at the same moment and the tear comes down my cheek and you're going to be pissed off because it's fake. It's part of my act. act. Oof. Now, I've seen this with other performers and you, you're fooled a lot. So one, one year we had uh, John Travolta in town for the film festival. Okay. And we were honoring him and he couldn't be nicer and, and a lot of quirky stuff. But in those days, we used to do a press conference before we did the big tribute in the evening. So the press conference was at 12 noon. And John's there talking to the press, and and he starts emoting about coming back to Chicago, where his roots were here for many years, and he starts to cry. And I'm blown away. I said, wow, that's so touching. So in the evening at 8 o'clock, when I'm giving him the honor to all this, he does the same routine, the same line, and starts to cry. And I thought, God, I've just been had. (laughs) (laughs) I forget these are actors. This is part of their They got you. They got me,
0: Yeah. That is interesting. A lot of people do forget that they are actors. When I don't think
1: they ever do.
0: <laughs> I, I forget sometimes when I'm in a movie. Like if uh if I'm watching something and it gets either too scary or too fake or too real, I just go, These are just actors. These people are not actually suffering. So sometimes like I'll take myself out of a movie where if it's like a really deep emotional movie, mm-hmm. I'll just have the one thought in my head and go, Well, they're not really that suffering. They're just movies. And I try not to have that thought a lot because it'll ruin movies for me. Half mm-hmm. a dude, I'm just like, yeah, this is not believable anymore.
1: Yeah. So let's see. You, you love old Hollywood stuff, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And love it. I've been studying about it, been writing a television show on it.
1: There you go. So when I started the Chicago International Film Festival 55 years ago, Before you were ever born, should you ever get that? Before my
0: parents were born. Give me a
1: break. Give me a break. So you're 23. Big deal. When I was 23, I was already doing the festival for two years.
0: That's insane.
1: (laughs) So, beginning this project in Chicago, I had the help of a uh, ex-famous silent film star. Her name was Colleen Moore, and um, she's back in the days of Charlie Chaplin. Very picked for Lillian Gish and. D.W. Griffith, all of these people back in the silent
0: days—the pre-United Artists company, which they all
1: formed. Yeah, um, but but um, Colleen was from Chicago, well, from nearby Chicago, and and she got her career in Hollywood thanks to D.W. Griffith in a favor of a favor. But she was she was like a female Charlie Chaplin, and she was really quite big and probably the highest-paid female comedian in film at that time. And she's had multiple husbands and. A fascinating career, and she took me under a wing, because she retired in Chicago, and I I was introduced to her, and we hit it off really well, and she became like my second mother,
0: So how? which
1: didn't make my first mother very happy, by the way.
0: Let's even take it back before that. How did you actually meet? What's the story of that first encounter? How did
1: did I meet Colleen? Okay. I've never heard of her. Um, A a, a columnist in in a Chicago newspaper, Chicago Sun-Times, his name is Irv Cupsinant. And uh, I knew Irv because I would made a little movie, and he wrote about my little movie and stuff. I said, you know, I'm I'm interested in starting this festival because uh, I've seen what's at festivals and Chicago's got nothing going on here and and these films like mine and Elders. There's no place to show them. And there's a whole world of of stuff out there that I would love my city, I'm from Chicago, to see. So um, he said, well, you know, if you really want to start this film festival thing and blah, 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 you should meet this lady. She's retired and She's a widow now. Her husband died. He was the president of uh, Merrill Lynch. So she was mm. living there on the Gold Coast alone. And um, she might like meeting you. So I met her, and it was like instantly we became, we bonded.
0: You went over to her house?
1: Yeah. She lives, yeah. Had a dinner. Did, she have, she, have a, did she have a dinner Pig. party? Star, 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 State Parkway.
0: We, we, were, we were hanging out on State Parkway not too long ago, but okay.
1: And, um... No, I just came up. We talked about uh, start this festival, and said okay. And then she would she would tell me said I'll help you, but I have a problem with you. I said what's that? She says you're twenty two years old. I said yeah. Unless I, I can't have that, no one will talk to you <clears throat> and help you at twenty two. So this is all true. In fact, you remember I'm writing a book too. So this is all in this book. And this
0: is all in the book.
1: She she says from this point on you're twenty seven. I said okay, and she gave me these pair of glasses. Like Harold Lloyd, another film star. These horn-rimmed black glasses, which aged me nicely.
0: We're talking about, um, are we talking about a Michael Kane look?
1: Well, for you, Michael Caine, for Harold Lloyd, there were black spectacles. You know, the guy hanging off the clock in, in the silent film, Harold Lloyd. Whatever.
0: Mm, I'll, no, I'll, bring, I'll
1: bring it up Harold Lloyd. So I put them on, and I kept wearing them, and I became older. And I, I stayed 27 for at least seven years. So when people used to ask me how old I was, I had no idea how old I was, because I was always 27.
0: So when you were then, 27, did you say you were 27? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> no idea. But then I could deal with her people, because her people, she would have for lunch at her house. She lived across the street from the Ambassador West Hotel, <clears throat> Ambassador East. The Ambassador East, that's in, in the old days before jet planes. Movie stars and actors and all would come from New York. The train stops in Chicago. You stay overnight at the Ambassador East or West. And there's a famous restaurant there called the Pump Room and you um, have breakfast or lunch, or then you continue the train to LA for the next two days. So one day for lunch at Colleen, she says, well, you only have lunch over here. I got Joan Crawford's coming for lunch. And I said, Hey, terrific. I'd like to meet her. That kind of thing happened. And it just started that way. Casual. And, yeah. Very casual. Cause they were quite normal people when they're not who they're supposed yeah. to be. And it was very funny because she said, when well, I get be here on time, because Joan, Joan can only, can only stay out for a couple hours. Um, I said, "Well, what is that all about?" Well, the the the, um, the makeup and the things that she puts on her face pulls it all together. Only lasts for a few hours to make her look the way she has to look as Joan Crawford. I said, You're joking, but I'll accept it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what does she look like without the makeup? Is well, she like Joan Rivers? You become older, of course. <laughs> she turns into Joan Rivers. Yeah.
1: But other, other people came over, and I, I, met a, I met a whole slew of folks in those first couple of years, and um, they became friends. And We, we became, I've used them at the festival as, on juries and honored them, and it was remarkable.
0: You got thrown into this world?
1: Very quickly, as a kid. And I wish I wish I were old enough to, at that time to truly appreciate what I what I was witnessing. It took a while. It took a while.
0: Well, yeah, because you're at that age, you're just having fun. You're not even.
1: You know, it, it's funny telling you that Joan Crawford thing reminds me of a couple other actresses that I've worked with at the festival. You have heard of Anne Margaret? I have. Okay, she's still alive. Yeah. And she's been involved with Elvis Presley once. And mm-hmm. She's made a lot of musical movies and fun. Bye bye, Birdie. Musical is my favorite. You hate musicals. <laughs> anyway, it was incredible. <laughs> so one day I'm sitting having lunch with she and her husband before we were doing the festival that night. And she's from Sweden, and she went to Northwestern. And really cool just talking to her. And her husband, his name was Roger Roger Smith, I think. He was an actor once on television, but then he just became her manager. And we had finished lunch, and, sh- and uh, a phone call came, and he said to her, he "said Anne, it is time. It's time for Anne Margaret. They're expecting Anne Margaret." Said he, he dismisses her to leave the room to become Anne Margaret. And I've never witnessed that before. And I've come along many, many times with different actresses, where you have to. Hey, you're just sitting here normal, we're having a great time. Suddenly you must then go become that person. Like Judy said, I'm only Judy for one hour. You know, let me it's be. It's an black. act. Let me be. Yes, it is. You you're an actor.
0: What do you think he meant by that? What do you think Anne Margaret had to do to become Anne Margaret?
1: What you do is you put on the wig and the makeup and you tighten your face and change your dress and open the top. Become a
0: little more perky. <laughs>
1: yes, become a little more busty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> busty, busty, and perky—yeah, are the two words.
1: Oh, and, and sort of cool because the the hotel was next to the theater we're using, and I thought, well, we we'll just go downstairs and um, walk walk to the theater. It's only fifty feet. I said, no, 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 that, that's we can't do that for Anne Margaret. I was then she was he was referring to it as Anne Margaret continually. You have to have a limo. I said, but, but it's only fifty feet. So get the limo. She will get in the limo. Go around the block. She will come to the theater. I said, okay. <laughs> that. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, I had to learn. I had to learn these
0: things. That's my favorite part about Hollywood and old Hollywood is how everything is a facade. And a lot of people fail to realize how much of a facade Hollywood really is. And for me, yeah. as, as a writer, when I study old time Hollywood in the 1920s and the 1930s and how they created these ideals and these facades that still hold up today mm-hmm. in modern Hollywood... It interests me so much because something as simple as, oh, yeah, she needs to show up in a limo even though it's 50 feet away because she's the star is such an interesting concept to me as a human. Like, as a human being, and psychologically speaking, it's so interesting in how you are portraying to these people and selling to these people a certain level of star or credibility that.
1: Hmm. See the word facade is too negative for me. It's this, this, no, it's a show. This is show business. This is the presentation. I don't like facade. We've seen the Judy thing. I think Judy uh, Renee Zellweger has who's having his big comeback. Will get a Golden Globe easily and be nominated for an Oscar because it's quite a performance and people are waiting for it. And there it is. Did you, you you liked it?
0: I like the movie. I don't think it's Oscar worthy.
1: No, the film, no. The film is not. The film is quite quite traditional.
0: Do you think she will get the Oscar nomination. due to Domination. just the nomination, not yeah. the actual award?
1: Yeah, because there are too many films we haven't seen yet with actors this year.
0: But when is the Oscar period?
1: December. Uh, first or second week of December, they make their final screenings and all.
0: Is that the last so there's time is the last so when is the available time to register a movie for an Oscar nomination?
1: I think December 10 or something in there.
0: Starting from when? Is it in the beginning of the year? No, no. Like,
1: anything of the whole year. But then
0: It ends December.
1: Yeah. So back to Renee Zellweger and Judy, uh, since we both saw it, I met Judy only once and she was at the pump room in Chicago at the ambassadors. As I mentioned to you, people had to fly rather take the train to Chicago, and stay at the hotel, usually dining in the pump room. She was dining with her husband, Sid uh, Sid Sid Luft, at that time, and I went. I was introduced to her, and she was, to me, she seemed totally out of it, and it was like in a daze, as you see her in the film many times, and I thought, okay that's the way she is. She's either drugged up or she's not drinking, but she's just in a in a haze. And then the performance that night was the usual thing. You know, you forget some of the words, you sit down, you apologize, and then you pull yourself together
0: and you're amazing.
1: So it is an act.
0: It's a high and low act.
1: Which is quite successful. And, and the reality is there. So years later, I've had the chance to Hang out with Liza Manelli a couple of times, and Liza has her show down Pat, but Liza physically is 72. Judy was only, she died at 47. Remember? Right. Here you have the daughter, terribly talented, Broadway shows, singing, dancing, but she's gotten older. She's gotten heavier. She's off of pills. She's off of pills. Off of alcohol. She. She's she's, she's just, pulling an Elton John. She's getting old, um, he's also getting a old. A hip replacement of this, replacement of that. Then she'll do. She'll come out and sing. When she has to. But when we had her here for the festival, we honored her. She was a delight and mostly talking about her life and her career. But one thing I noticed as I left, I guess she's a chain smoker. And she can't stop. She she's re- like her mother. She really is a chain. Yes, I guess they all didn't pay attention. Was the mother smoking a lot? Didn't pay attention. Yeah,
0: that's her. She loved pills and smoking. The smoking kept her thin. Well, those pills, everything kept her thin. Oh, yeah. The cigarettes also curbed the appetite.
1: Well, she, so Liza, even when she was talking, miraculously, she can still find a way to take a puff of a cigarette, even though it was illegal in the theater. She, she was doing it. And when she does a concert, if she's bowing during a curtain call, she'll, for a second, slip off to the wing to take a, another smoke.
0: Take a drag. A
1: drag, yeah. Fascinating. But she's a party girl, and she's, um, she knows how to party. I mean, when she finishes a performance, as most people do, you're so wired You're gonna be up to three, four in the morning, and you know you sleep all day. Then you do your show again. It's a whole different lifestyle, much like yours.
0: Yeah, being (laughs) being a comedian is definitely uh, a not interesting lifestyle. You're up till one or two in the morning, grinding out the performances. If you're a true comedian, you you're out in Chicago. They don't have them as late, but in New York City, for example, you could be out till two, three in the morning performing. Mm -hmm. Then to wake up at whatever time, and then to be mm-hmm. back at the club at 4 or 5 when they start opening up again and start doing the early mics. That's if you're really mm-hmm. just, that's the only thing that you're working on or thinking about or breathing And
1: It reminds me, back to Colleen Moore, since uh, we did so many festivals together. The earliest ones, and she was still getting used to me, but it, it worked out so well. Maybe I, bec- maybe I really did become older because I fit into their world so, so quickly. Uh, one year we had Harold Lloyd, the famous silent film actor that she had worked, she knew very well, those glasses that I wore, and we had them at the festival, and they were just, uh, great together, these two old, I mean, Colleen was probably in her mid-60s, which was old for me. right? And Harold was definitely older than the 60s, but the funny thing about Harold, um, you you know, you worship these people. You really admire them. And suddenly he says to me, he says, you see that blonde over there? I said, yeah, that's college freshman girl over there. I said, yeah, I want to meet her. I want to go out with her. I said, Harold, we don't do that. <laughs> I'd like to meet her. So then he, his agent is sitting next to him. He said, make sure I meet that girl later today. And I thought, shit. <laughs> Ew. No, I hadn't thought about it. You know, I hadn't thought about this. And the
0: question is, was well, she would be receptive to but that? I don't know how it ended. I don't care. But Oh, come on. You can't just give us a half story. I want to know how it ended. Did she go for the bait?
1: <laughs> I have an entire chapter in this book I'm working on. It's called We Don't Do That. <laughs> Honest to God. <laughs>
0: that, should, that should be the title of my show, We Don't oh, Do That. God, I'm sure somebody must have done
1: a film like that.
0: Hey, if not, it's time to do it. Because, so, many, um, so
1: many things in, in, in the 50 something years. I mean, Shelly Winters, another wonderful actress, she was really hot, great looking beauty. But the years we had her here late in her career, she was probably in her late um, 60s. But she was still Shelley Winters, a very bombastic, um, ballsy woman. And we're out at a restaurant one night. Kelly Mandelli was called. And she's sitting there. I'm sitting near the owner and, and her. And she said, do you guy over that bar at the bar? I said, yeah. He said, truck driver. I want <clears throat> to, him.
0: You want to what? Y-
1: you know. And I said. I want to bleep him? <laughs> <laughs> yes, what? yes. I said, I can't help you if we don't do that. So I want to meet him. I intend to, it's like the owner sitting next to me. I said, Joey, go get that guy and introduce him to her.
0: Are we talking about Las Carola, Joey? No,
1: it was in the, before that. It was yeah, Joey Las today, but it was Kelly Mandelli those days.
0: Is that what the restaurant was called? called yeah, the what, the same location?
1: No, over here. At um,
0: is this before Clark, he met Clark Armando? And Fullerton. Clark and Clark and Before he met Armando?
1: Before there ever was
0: an Armando. Before Armando yeah, existed. All yeah. oh, right.
1: So, yeah, we don't do that. God, that came up so often. I was always floored because yes, I admire these people. I'm, I'm not a fanboy, by the way. And I'm not a me, I'm not a star fucker. You can say that word. Never have been.
0: Well, they are. They only considered stars if.
1: So I don't. So if you walk, if you are who you are, I'm, I'm not in awe of you falling on the floor, dying, getting getting your autograph. I appreciate you. Let's get our show. Let's get our show together. Let's do what you're here. Let's do what we have to do.
0: Because you're a colleague, and you've been in this since you were and in your I 20s. Have, and I have
1: great respect of you and you suddenly you became human, and you want to go do this and that. So. Some of the shine's coming off of this apple. so like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Now back to Judy and Liza. But last time I saw Liza, uh, she had perfected this technique to deal with her her problems, health wise and all. And it's become part of the act now, where she'll sing, let's say a, a song that you know her for, and then she can't get through it. Mostly, I would say, because of smoking. And then she'll just sort of sit there and sit. Um, you mind if I just sort of start again and just start again, and then, just go any further, and then just let me let me talk, talk it through, that she talks the rest of the song, and you're buying into this because you're sudden you're, like her mother you're you're worshiping her, and you're buying into her health and her sadness and her such and such, but it's a show, and then she'll sing the last couple. Of, Notes of the song, and you felt that you've seen her completely sing a song. It's it's, it's a very interesting technique, and that's what she's doing these
0: days. She's um, taking her mother's act and exacerbating it by ten. In in a way. But in a way. The only issue is that her mother could actually get through the songs, and she cannot.
1: Right. I I blame it mostly on the smoking. But you know, when you're finished, you you felt you really have seen a great performance because she's she's so charming and captivating.
0: That, that comes to show you that entertainment and the idea of entertaining someone can be whatever you want to create it and whatever it be as long as that person feels like they've gained something from that performance mm-hmm. so for example like people go to see Judy sing but you leave and she's done more than just singing she's sung she's made you cry she's done like things of that nature
1: yeah, yeah you've seen a lifetime happen on stage at least you, you believe you have See when you do it every night. That's the.
0: She's got it. She's got it down packed. That's the thing. That's the. That's beautiful about it. It's just mm-hmm. comes out of her. Like a machine, I would say. It's an act. And it works.
1: Let's see what else. Um, we've covered a lot of them. We've covered some of Colleen Moore. We've covered the Judy film. Uh, some Liza talk and some of this. Um, behind the scenes of the film festival with um, <laughs> we don't do that stories.
0: We'll talk more about that in the later episodes. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Louis B. Mayer and what so how much do you know about the 1930s Hollywood, the, the period after the introduction of sound?
1: I know nothing about that, what you want to know about the Louis B. Mayer years and all, just I've only heard the rumors and stories about him and how you can become a star, et cetera, et cetera. He's controlling the talent and the team that he owns at the MGM.
0: What what, uh, what have you learned about that? No. It's interesting to, to know what people, even someone as connected and as well-versed as you in this entertainment industry, know about it. Because from the television show that I'm writing and the book that I'm reading,
1: mm.
0: by writing the television show off of, I feel like a lot of people... I don't have any type of idea of what these executives and what
1: well they own they owned they own the, the roster of talent and the, they had to perform. So if I own twenty five talents, mm-hmm. whether you're Clark Gable or you know Myrna Loy or Cary Grant or blah 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 or mm-hmm. Judy Garland, make you I own you, and you will make x amount of films, and you will do what I need. And you cannot. I don't share your other studios. You are my money.
0: And if you do get shared with other studios, it's because you've probably done something wrong or they use you. It's It's interesting to me how the executives created this American dream and lived the American dream that they created Mm -hmm. and how they used a lot of these actors and stars as their chess pieces.
1: They control their life. So so, you you would be dating X, Y, Z because it looked better that you're dating with this woman or this man rather than just being alone or drinking or whatever.
0: They casually always made people hide their sexuality. Oh, yeah, That, that yeah, was a of, big of part of Hollywood. That's a
1: big part. You, got, you, must, you must be the person you're portraying in the film and in life, too.
0: I think my most interesting part, the thing that intrigues me a lot about Hollywood is how, or the 1920s, 1930s Hollywood, is how you got to... This is called the studio system, Yeah, the I know. The, the, yeah. Or the even better term of mm. is the golden age, which I also think is kind of ironic. Because it is the golden age of cinema which started things, but at the same time, mm. the way that they treated their stars and the way that things went wasn't really golden. It was mm. very, actually very messed up because...
1: But to the public it was... Well,
0: to the public it was golden. Exactly. But to the people who lived this life, who lived at the studios, the actors that had to be controlled by these executives, the mm. ones that couldn't eat because they had to maintain weight. The stars that had to get abortions because they were pregnant Mm -hmm. from the directors that Mm-hmm. shouldn't have got them pregnant in the first place that are 20 years their yeah, senior. That's the
1: behind the scenes, yeah And
0: all of the behind the scenes that people ignore, and I think that is what intrigues me so much about the 20s and the 30s of Hollywood. But
1: luckily the public didn't know that. The public had their stars to worship and these theoretical lives that they had, and you lived off of that. And I, and Especially during the Depression and during times... Of...
0: You, were sell, you were selling people... That was the way that it's people... did the dream. It's yeah, the dream. that's the way people got their sense of enjoyment the sense of entertainment you worked six days a week and you got one hour Hmm. a week to go and see this movie that took you away from all your problems exactly
1: that's what movies are all about yeah and that's how we should end
0: it that's what well that's what entertainment is all about If you, I I tell a lot of people, they ask me why I enjoy writing and doing television stuff. Because if you look at the end of the day, for example, when I'm skating through the streets at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, you'll see one resounding thing that's the same about every single person. If you look into every single every single home that you mm-hmm. pass by, either people are in the living room or in the bedroom watching television. It's the place where people meet up. At the end of the day, you could have had a long day, an exhausting, emotionally day, and you want to just lay in bed and sit in front of a TV and be entertained for an hour. And okay. that is what intrigues me so much about entertainment and television and movies. It's escape,
1: of course. Yeah. it's a great escape. Always has been. Okay, till next time.
0: Thank you, guys. Subscribe to the podcast, please don't forget, and we'll see you next week.